You look out the window and gaze across the landscape. It's different now, more open, less verdant. Gray and tan and brown. The landscape is bony like a late-season river, but colder, drier, quieter. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. After such a cool and wet summer, it has been lovely to feel rewarded by a relatively warm and often sunny fall so far. Though such an apparent swap of seasonal weather does always make me edgy, thinking about all the living things that rely on the seasonal weather patterns that used to be predictable until recent years. While some life is cued by daylight hours to make necessary life cycle or migratory changes, others are cued by temperature, and it's hard to predict how such a long fall season without a frost in many areas might affect those lives. I saw a low-bush blueberry patch adorned with flowers in mid-October, for example. Will those plants be able to flower again in the spring and make berries, or are they effectively going to have to skip a year of reproduction? But there are always signs of hope from the many natural cycles that tell us the season, based on their habits, regardless of the weather. The majority of plants that have gone to seed at this point in the fall, with their many strategies for seed dispersal at the ready, are just some of those living things to look for if you need a reminder of where we are in the seasonal cycles of things. One such plant that has a lot to offer and hitches a ride so we don't forget during the fall is burdock. We have two species of burdock in New England, Arctium minus and Arctium lapa, but neither are native to North America. They began colonizing this continent right alongside their human European counterparts, likely due to the plant's value as food and medicine. Burdock is considered a biennial plant, meaning it produces leaves the first year of growth, then flowers, fruits, and seeds the second year of growth before dying back, though under specific conditions it can behave more as a perennial. The broad leaves are roughly arrow-shaped, and they have hollow petioles, but they are most easily recognized in their second year when adorned with their flowers, fruits, or seeds. Most people with outdoor animals know burdock well for its round seed heads covered in hooked, rigid hairs that cling to fur and clothing like Velcro. Or should we say, Velcro clings like burdock. Back in 1941, George de Mestral, a Swiss engineer, was out hiking with his dog when he noticed burdock clinging to his pet's fur. Rather than get frustrated, this inventor decided to take a closer look. He observed that the small hooks on the hairs easily latched into soft loops, making them reliably cling there. After removal, however, they would still be able to recling again and again. Thus, the idea for Velcro was born, made especially popular once NASA started using it, including on the first trip to the moon. The Velcro-Burdock connection may be the best example of biomimicry out there. Of course, burdock probably didn't evolve to have those clingy hooks for human engineering needs. That adaptation ensured that their seeds could be carried far and wide to grow in new places thanks to the animals that pass it by. Plants don't want their seeds to fall and grow right underneath them. Parents and offspring in that scenario would end up competing for the same resources, and the long-term capacity for genetic diversity in the species would be compromised. So, just like parents who encourage their kids to move out of the house eventually, Plants have adapted to having a wide variety of seed dispersal strategies to get their kids out of the house. Some seeds, like those from birches and maples, are lightweight and winged so they can get caught by the wind. Others, like jewelweed and witch hazel, explosively scatter their seeds once their fruits are ripe. Coconuts are great at floating long distances across seas. 
Blueberries love being eaten and then deposited in a nutrient-rich pile of animal scat. But burdock likes hitching a ride on the furry coats of mammals. So the next time you're outside, you could be on the lookout for burdock. Or will it be on the lookout for you or your pet? And rather than get annoyed while you're attempting to remove it, you could take a closer look to compare its physiology with that of a piece of Velcro you may have nearby. What are some other ways we can copy nature to solve problems? You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Let us know if you have a nature topic you'd like us to cover in our show. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.